Hey folks, Gerald Kirk here, and I'm excited to share that this season of the Higher Ground Society podcast is supported in part by the Alabama Humanities Alliance, a state affiliate of the National Endowment of the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast episode do not necessarily represent those of Alabama Humanities Alliance or the National Endowment for the Humanities. Now, let's get to the show. Yeah, so we're talking, we just got done talking about Doom to Love Me, and we talked a little bit about your experience and how you got started in music, but tell me, what do you have like a songwriting process? I always love to share this story about Maya Angelou and how she used to write her poems. She used to go to a hotel at like three o'clock in the morning, rent a room when she only had her notepad and brandy um, to drink or sherry or something and a stack of cards, and she'd spend the whole day or whatever in this hotel room and write that's like <laughs> people who do this like for like a living or they do this like seriously that's kind of like the standard so i'm curious always curious to know if other people do that or do you just happen to be sitting on the sofa writing music that way like how do you write music <clears throat> well the more you know getting out of your if you're sitting at home, you're going to think about doing dishes and I need a vacuum. Oh, and I need to do this. And did anybody um, take out the garbage or all that stuff? You you have to, you know, with Miss Angela, you got to get out of your comfort zone. Where you can't worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's thunder. Um, <laughs> I said Miss Angela, not Maya. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so... I don't know. I'm always taking notes, sort of like if I have a gut reaction to something or if something strikes me, um, I just have my little notepad or I have my uh, notes on my iPhone and I'm just writing down just sort of like, it doesn't have to be a rhyme. It just has to be a feeling. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you know, and it's also, you know, sometimes I have to force myself to check in, you know, or it's like, how, how do you feel about this? And then there's a lot of like, consulting the muses too. I always sure. feel like there's certain characters who um, they're not necessarily all my viewpoint in my songs and they're not true stories, you know, all the time either. So a lot of them it's checking in with how, how does this muse, how would this person react to this idea? So mm -hmm. especially um, with second chance, I didn't, well, we'll talk about it in a second, I guess, but like certain songs, like, uh, you know, I talk about people going to prison or other things that, you know, I didn't go through any of that. So I'm sort of checking in with these sort of, I don't know, I call them muses, they're like spirit guides, <laughs> you know, so, sure. but now, when it comes to writing music. I have to wait till I have all these little bits and fab, fra uh, fragments of, you know, ideas or poems. And then I sit down, I have my guitar, I sit at the piano, and then it's sort of, you know, I just get a feeling and then I just start singing. And, you know, it's sometimes just not as exactly what I started with, you know, the same line, but in time, it, you know, sort of hammers itself out. And some things, you'll hear every musician tell you this, some things it's like, um, the Blarney was flowing and it just came right out of you. And it was so easy. And other times it's digging a ditch. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's it's I think you know it's so crazy. It's you know do you know Chandler Jones? Yeah, uh-huh. T.A. Jones. He was on the we show this past summer. Oh well, that makes sense. Then <laughs> it's like he was on the show the first season, I think the first or second season, first season. Um, and he also said something similar in terms of like the muses. I think the song that we talked about on the show was called "The Cave," or maybe he alluded to it from his first album. Um, and I love that you guys are doing this thing of like consulting the spirits and like just being in touch with the space and the world around you. I mean, it may, might come off as like. But I mean, you do it both ways. So you do it that way. And also, I like the, the storytelling aspect that you do as well. So um, that's what I really want to hone in to. And we'll talk more about it whenever we get into the actual uh, song, Second Chance. But like that you are that you are able to pull eke out a story like that and then put it to music is really impressive. I thought like it's really and it's really convincing. Like the fact that you said that you've never experienced this. I was like, well, dang, like the way you wrote it. <laughs> it <could've> been, <laughs> you know, so that's uh so kudos to you in in in, in uh, being able to channel that really well. Um uh, so before we get to talking more so about second chance, tell us more about your experience. Um actually let's do it this other way uh so let's talk more about second chance um tell us where the inspiration for this song came from you think you get three strikes baby we're from your already high you're well advised to sign whatever deal they put down you just do your time Second Chance started with the chorus and one of my fragments. You dig deeper in your past, picture the worst, that's what lasts. And, you know, that sort of idea of, um, I don't, where the song ended up, I don't think is what I was thinking about as I started it. I think I was just thinking about like, oh, I blew something, like I blew it and something terrible happened. (laughs) And it's like, I screwed up and then, um, you close your eyes, you start to realize that you don't get a second chance. And I was immediately when I came up with that second part, just strumming, I saw bars and I saw a prison and I was, this is probably the first song I wrote after being back in Alabama. And I was, um, I just wanted, I knew from that moment, I wanted to write a song sort of about somebody and people that I've known really sweet people, sweet guys who just seems like, especially teenagers when I was a teenager too, they just couldn't get it right. They just everything. It's like, if you just could keep a job, if you could just do something, but they just can't, it's like, there's some demon inside of them that takes over, screw up. And when you're in a small town or you're from, you know, a place where you're like marked from an early age, the cops are always looking at you, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just watching someone's whole life get ruined because of something they did when they're 15, 16, 17, 18, just one bad decision, one bad night. And it's all, you know, they throw you away and private prisons have a lot to do with that. It's uh, a lot of people are making money off keeping people in jail. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not in jail and you're a teenager, they're sending you to a Christian camp where 
some evangelicals making a bunch of money off the state from you mm-hmm. and, so, and then no one's really getting rehabilitation and it's more profitable for them to keep you yeah yeah and so like and again the the similarities or like the shared experiences um are so palpable like I think that's maybe that's why I'm convinced this is a, such a great song <laughs> because like um it was the the description that you used you said like uh, they're really nice sweet guys or whatever who just kind of, like we get it I knew those same people or maybe it's just about Baldwin County I don't know <laughs> we know the same people maybe <laughs> we know the same folks but and I think people from that area but I mean I mean really anywhere I mean because this is it's a southern steeped in southernness but I think it can really speak to anybody in any part of the, the country oh. but it just really really resonates again also with your voice being a, a character in it as well like um it just really does so well and i think really connected with this experience and so and i think just here i mean obviously the, the writing and doomed to love me is incredible too but like in this and particularly like with this the storytelling aspect of it is so 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 good um like so you mentioned something about like the tattoo like it's so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of speechless <laughs> at this point. Like, because like you said that you didn't necessarily live this from a firsthand experience, but it says something that you're able to observe this and then channel it into a song so well. Um, you're yeah. talking about the lyric. Um, he looks in the mirror and laughs. He's got no regrets tattooed across his chest. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I, it's just I, no regrets. I mean, it's how could you not have any regrets? I mean, it's just damn. Why can't I get it together? Yeah. But, and go ahead. Uh, it's just that lyric, you know, just when I wrote it, when I came up with it, it just made me like laugh and cry at the same time. And that like, cause I can so clear, I have a vision in my head of this guy and um, it's, you know, it's a lot of different people that we knew, which is what you sure. said. I mean, yeah. It's not one person and, but no regrets how can anybody have no regrets i mean that's a very steep, I mean, you have to be really in touch with <laughs> with your life you know like to be able to get to that space and to be comfortable with it and i think that's that's a prevailing theme again high ground society serves alabama we're very focused on alabama very i'm very proud to be from the south i just think it really, really taps into like the ethos of the people in this region we like and i talked about it like how you like you're making music and stuff we do what we can um and sometimes with what we have and oftentimes that's not a lot for both of those we don't we're not able to do a lot because we don't have a lot but we do what we do come up with still comes out to be really profound we, we create we have these beautiful relationships and it's reflected in our art and our experiences and our stories and our music um and that's just something to really be proud of right like as a southerner for, for me personally to just be able to still um prevail or persevere through the challenges that we experience in this region so i don't know it's just, it's just the desire to create you know sure. and you really have to if same thing with me wanting to write songs and i couldn't take guitar lessons it just frustrated me to no end um, <laughs> but i wanted to write music so badly that I just reinvent it's sort of the story of my life. I'm reinventing the wheel all the time and I don't know why, but <laughs> it's just easier to do it myself and figure it out. And, um, 
but that drive to create, I mean, that's why we have so many amazing artists, not just, you know, folk artists that literally are using house paint and mud, like Jimmy Lee said it, then most T to just create masterpieces. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have fine artists and photographers, uh, you know, Jerry Siegel, Selma photographer, who can just go to our little county fairs and capture a moment, you know, that mm-hmm. is something most people would just walk by and or make fun of, you know, and we're not necessarily celebrating it, certain things, you know, uh, but we can document it and we can acknowledge it. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people just look down on the South and down in Alabama and make fun of it. And it's just sort of like, listen, I've people from New York city, I've been to upstate New York. You got rednecks <laughs> from yes. Detroit. You get outside of the city, there's hillbillies. It is no more, you know, it, but whatever. I don't know. No, I get that. It also, see, it's so funny you should mention that because it reminds me of 8 Mile. <laughs> it's a different genre of music, but it doesn't that take place. Isn't Eminem like from, well, then that's supposed to be like, yeah. my, I've never seen it, but he's like from the Michigan, the D- Detroit area, right? Yeah. Eight right. Mile and it's, through the county. Yeah. Right. So, like, and it tracks. That's like, he's, we could just safely say that Secretary was written about Eminem's. <laughs> in um, that's who, who we're that's who i'm conjuring um in in this and as i listen to the song but you're right the, i think the big difference though is with the exception of eight miles like again it's not glorified that these other areas don't really for whatever reason the south just got to that's like our thing like the grittiness and the whateverness um the low brownness, I guess that, that that reputation is hoisted upon us, but it is like you said, all over the rest of the country and nobody really recognizes that. But I do again, go back to what I was saying in terms of us standing up in that and owning that. I think that's, that's something um, really beautiful. And, and it just kudos to you for being able to capture that in the music that you, in the way that you do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so going, so second chance is the, the song that you recorded or submitted for Patrick symphony. Um, tell us about your experience in recording it. Obviously this is what everybody hopefully is tuning into to listen about like how you created this, uh, specifically for the project and everything. So tell us more about that. And, and well, in fact, first of all, how did you learn about Patrick symphony? Like, how did that come across? Um, when your submissions were open, I guess, or there was a deadline posted or something, and it was shared yeah. on Instagram, and everybody was sending it to me. A lot of oh, good um, artists and you know visual artists saying, "Oh, this is so cool!" And I think that they maybe were aware of Higher Ground Society and for sure of Alabama Contemporary, which yeah. uh, is where in the studio where the studio was. So. I don't know. And I just submitted and, you know, you just, sometimes you just submit to things and you're like, well, we'll see what happens. And you forget yeah. about it. But I was happy to get a call back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and so, and how did it, how was my experience? It was great. I mean, the Alabama Contemporary is a fantastic facility. It's amazing that we have it in Mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I walked in, I was escorted of a, gorgeous staircase into a recording studio and if it was like a million dollar dream <laughs> <laughs> but no jimmy uh, black met me there and introduced me and we sort of talked over the song and 
we had some preliminary conversations, just basically talking about what sound do you want? And I had already started recording the song for the album version for my album. And so I knew I wanted it to be different from that. Sure. And I wanted it to be the Patrick symphony version to be a lot more straightforward than my album version is. I wanted to just have a, you know, rock and roll song, um, that, um, we could hammer out in a day and everybody would feel really comfortable doing it. And so what I didn't know when I got there was how professional and amazing the musicians would be, you know, sure. it's sort of when you're just provided for, you just sort of go <laughs> with it, but they were really supportive of me. And when Will Fawcett played, um, uh, I think it's a Rhodes organ, like a keyboard, he played keys on the song. And when he brought that thing out and just started, I don't know, he went from like this major, major, and then hit the minor chord. It just was like more um, impactful than I imagined um, when I wrote it. So that was really exciting. Nice. And David White was on drums and he really was like a great workhorse of like, let's try it again. Let's keep going till we got it. Let's keep going. You know, (laughs) but I'm mostly like, is it done? I think it's done. I'm, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or I'm just like, people are going to get so annoyed with a song if we do it a hundred times, but that's how you learn a song. And so he was amazing. And he added some really great fills uh, sort of drops out. Like uh, it goes from a bridge into the last verse and he sort of came up with this idea about this big fill that and he goes away and i thought that was powerful and then um brad bittinger was on bass and bass is always just the most overlooked instrument but it's one of my favorites and you're just not how you want to learn how to play it because people don't notice it until it's not there and then you're like you know song's empty so he really filled up and just rounded out the entire song so it was a great experience with Cartographer Records and Avalon Contemporary and all, and just, you know, making those connections was really important as well. You know, as you know, I think all Alabama musicians um, who are like-minded with there's all boats rise together and there's no reason that we can't work together. Absolutely. So um, have you been in contact with them? So you recorded this back in October, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this project has been going on for years and years and years and so it's like all one big time spush <laughs> um but yeah you recorded it back in october and um i just distinctly remember is this still does the story still saved on your instagram probably like is it archived because like i remember, you, you, I remember like, I you, a, you asked me to send you the story and i did no, so I have it. So yeah, well, hopefully we could. Uh, if you guys are just now listening to this and you want to get like a sense, uh, um, a sense of what it was like to be in this space and recording it, you did a really great job of even just like tr- um, chronicling like your your drive to Mobile, which is so crazy because of uh, you crossed the Dolly Parton Bridge and everything. Which is again, it's, it's such a it was such a great way to to do that um, and to bring that whole your whole experience um, to the foreground. So I think. You're, it was a very idealistic um, experience of what we wanted to capture with Patrick Symphony. So I'm glad you were able to take some good um, experiences away from it and uh, relationships. Do you have like do you see yourself maybe like working with those same folks in the future? Like, have you been able to work with them since October or or? Um, well, <clears throat> they recorded a video um, okay. us right. performing the song, and so I think that will probably come out whenever um, this podcast drops or the song 
the whole symphony patrick symphony project is released i guess it'll come out then yeah um they don't hold whatever i say release it and i haven't said it yet (laughs) very nice the power of the artist we believe in (laughs) our i guess Um, i usually get shot down i get some little power in life that (laughs) i have that i really you know wield it (laughs) you should as you should um but i mean that's honestly what this whole project was about which is so crazy to hear you say like you were just like i'm scared like <laughs> that's well i hope that this experience like gave you like i really want an artist to come in because i so for my personality like um i am kind of like a workhorse too so it's very much especially if i'm trying to get something done like i can get in and like but i really wanted the artist to be able to come in and, and have that experience and so um did you feel like you were empowered to do that? Because again, the original... oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, every opportunity um, that I get to record and work with new artists and new musicians, it's just you come away with a much better understanding of your craft and how other people work. So the more opportunities that people have, that's what I would just, you know, tell everyone. It's like, Oh, you want to be a good stand-up comedian? Get on stage and try doing stand-up. Want to be a good musician? Keep, you know, get in front of people and meet new people who do it too. So yeah. it was, you know, I walked away just feeling like I had a lot more confidence. You know, I was feeling more confident when I left. But, no, you know, I'm not, I, I, yeah, I know I seem very confident. It's mostly because I have a strong uh, vision. <laughs> I don't know how to execute most of the time. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> so, part- me working with those people was like, yes, you guys were amazing to work with everything went as we said it would and so you know it was fulfilling that's great that's really it's really hard to hear for sure uh yeah unfortunately i wasn't able to make it to that session but i'm glad it went went the way that it did um that, that was very affirming and i also have the same experience too whenever we, i do step away from a session when i have stepped away um uh, being affirmed that this is something that i like and enjoy, definitely enjoy doing and felt comforted in doing that it can just really ride that high for a little bit um so we talked we just talked about like the high well is there anything else you want to say about the second chance as a song um i hope everybody listens to it (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could have sleep in space (laughs) nobody said that but yes yes please stay uh hang tight to the end of the episode so when you you can listen to the song in its entirety for sure you don't want to miss it um but like moving away from the discussion on the song, and we just talked about the high parts of creating, what are some of the challenges of doing the work that you do in terms of like being a musician? Um, prior to the pandemic and lockdown, I didn't realize how um, I was in such a grind constantly. I've got to do this, got to do that. got to stay on the road, got to keep touring. And and then it all immediately came to a screeching halt. And every once in a while, I find my notebook that I started writing, you know, when at the start of it, like things to do during lockdown um, or for the summer of lockdown, thinking it was all going to be over in a couple months. I had no idea. (laughs) It was just, it was just going to keep getting worse. Um, And so the hardest thing is getting back into that grind of doing shows and booking and, um, you know, in live music, it's hard to find places to play and people that want to hear it, you know, and it's, that really is, you know, and talking to, um, Jimmy and mobile, a cartographer records who played uh, steel guitar in the song, 
he was just like, oh, I can help you in Mobile find a place that fits you. And so it's just like making those little connections. Yeah. Um, it's just there isn't a lot of money right now in making music. And that sure. is really, you know, everything comes out of our pockets for the most part. So I'm always looking for grants. I'm always looking for, you know, I think supporting um, singer songwriters like I do. I, I don't think that a lot of like state agencies like supporting that they'd rather give it to a violinist or something because mm. people who use words can, they can say crazy things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and so they don't want to get in, you know, hits their wagon to that. Whereas I don't know, I think we're at a time in history where, um, you know, we need more people speaking up because we're seeing things are falling apart very quickly. And the things, you know, let's take Roe v. Wade being overturned and mm -hmm. who knows what will happen in this next election. Mm -hmm. Just because there's just lunatics. <laughs> and like I was talking about the echo chamber of people only hearing what they want to hear that yeah. we, you know, having, I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to separate the personal from political when everything seems to just sort of devolving. And we see mostly programs uh, uh, supporting musicians that, you know, want to be apolitical or non-political. Sure. How can it be? How can you exist in this world and not be political? We're supposed to be like Nero singing baby, baby, baby as the world burns down around yeah. you. <laughs> I think Joni Mitchell was talking about that a few years ago. She's like, yeah, why are you, I get asked why I'm so angry. And she's like, well, why aren't you angry? It's like the world's burning down. You want me to sing a love song? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's so funny. That's actually, I love that, um, that metaphor with Nero. Um, actually, whenever I first started the organization, High Ground Society as an organization, I started doing um, poetry readings. That was like the first bit. And for whatever reason, I think I said something about poems that speak to the the times. And I was working with somebody to try to put on a poetry reading back home in Damonette. And this person specifically was like, oh, I don't think that art should be political. And I was like, excuse me? Like, I had just, I was super like wet behind the ears I just graduated college so didn't feel like really empowered enough to say to stand my ground and like make a statement on that but I will never ever forget the conversation and just how adamant that person was about art not being political um and that was in Baldwin County and that was in Baldwin County yes yeah. it's a funny part of the state I mean I feel really fortunate in the black belt that I have Terry Sewell as my representative and Bobby yeah. Singleton and the South, South Alabama is our red Republican curtain that, you know, I'm a gay um, singer, artist, singer, songwriter, um, originally from Detroit, Michigan, living in yeah. the deep South, you know, I mean, yeah. the thing is like, you know, I've lived in the South longer now than I lived in Michigan, but I'll never really truly be accepted. Sure. Well, you know well in, in, in Alabama, you think? Yeah, you know, that's how I feel. I get laughed at sometimes by Alabama people, but I feel a little bit like I'll never truly be from Alabama. I'll never truly be Southern. Oh, whatever. Um, if you claim it, you can <laughs> be it. I, on behalf of the Alabama delegation of whoever makes these decisions, confer Southerness upon the, like, I mean, like, who, how, who, like, gatekeeping Southerness? Like, come on, like, what do you yeah. have to, to gatekeep? Like that's really crazy. Um, that you probably more of a me problem. It's probably more of you know. 
No, but I can understand that, especially. Well, I, that's actually kind of the, the next question I want to get into because I'm glad you brought it up. This is um, Pride Month and everything, and your identity, the music that you make, and your identity as a gay man in the South doesn't necessarily <laughs> like go hand in. I don't know. From my perspective, I have never heard a gay man make the music that you've made. It's always typically either something in pop or pop like especially those that are actually out and like and visible and stuff so like the fact that you're even doing this and the music you're like leaning into yourself and like the things that you feel and that you experience and that you want to see in music that is in of itself kind of like um that's radical and it is like um what's the word though? like an objection as to like it's it's going it's it's pushing against whatever is being pushed on you right so like you, you see what I'm saying? Can you say more to that? Like, what is that experience like <laughs> in making music, the music that you make um, with respect to your identities? Um, well, maybe it would be easier if I wrote pop songs and was, you know, at a dance club in Atlanta. But <laughs> sure, right, right. <laughs> it may be easier to find an audience, but I don't know. I have a lot of... Um, support from singer songwriters in Alabama, you know, that are straight white guys and straight women. So, um, I don't know. I've never let it define my aesthetic choices, you know? Sure. So what other people think I should be doing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I should have a more nuanced answer to that. But no, well, I think it's really just write the things that strike me and I write about what I see or what impacts me. And I think the fact that I'm gay in the deep south, all of that has got to go into my world viewpoint, right? Yeah. It's, it's inherent and it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, heavy handed. Right. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm glad that this also goes hand in hand with the work that, you know, our friends over at Invisible Histories Project. Uh, this is a very busy cat. This is <laughs> she's, a kitten. she's never zoomed. She keeps jumping in front of the camera. <laughs> it's so funny. He's had to move the cat like three times. So I just want people to be brought in on that on that foolishness. It's hilarious. Um, but are you familiar with the Invisible Histories Project? Yes. And actually, yeah. Josh Burford, who is one of the founders of that as one of my college professors, um, and Whoa. so actually, he made us all make a zine and that was one of the first times I ever released music. I had a music zine called a shrine to yourself that featured a friend of mine's artwork and my lyrics. And then it came with a little CD and I think he sent it off to some shows and everything. So that was really like an impetus, you know, visible his histories, Josh Burford sort of was like my first thing that got me to put my music out into the world. Nice. And that's, and that's, that's why I love the work that they do so much. And it's it's so great that they, and they're unique and they're getting all the shine and attention that they deserve because they're doing really truly doing this work to make sure people know that queer history is Southern history, mm -hmm. um, part and parcel. And so, um, but I think the fact that you do the music that you do and like you, you being mindful of your experiences and your identities and stuff, it, again, like, like I said, it stands up against this, overarching narrative of what queerness is supposed to be. And also, like I said, it's what Southernness is supposed to be as well. Um, and it's great. And I love that so much. I think it's really profound to be able to do that, especially in this day and age, because there's a lot of room being made for queer folks. Well, we're trying 
to in the space of you know the the madness that we have in our um legislative halls across the country but um this is just ongoing progression it seems like to make this stance of hey we're here and we sound like hey we're here and we're queer <laughs> and, <laughs> and that on a t-shirt we say what um but and we sound this way and we look this way and we make this kind of music and you know it's i, I think um, I hope you don't mind me putting you in that group or putting you in, in this in that category, but I think it's just kind of part of, again, this whole patchwork of different types of people, different types of sounds, different types of experiences and, and backgrounds, um, and then just really make something incredibly beautiful um, that just happens to be Southern. But again, I'm really proud that it is a Southern kind of a review of the landscape. That was a kind of convoluted thought process but i've been thinking about this <laughs> ever since i know that we've had to have this conversation i wanted to touch on that because it's just really important to me to, to, for people to know like that you bring your whole self into your music and into your your your, your uh, experience and your performing and performing and everything too right like so yeah, yeah. it's a it's you know it, i'm not an act you know like sure. yeah an act. it's all digging deep within and inside of me that where all these songs come from so um yeah so who i am as a person sexuality politically all feeds into that i mean yeah. it can't be can't be separated sure so th that being said i haven't i haven't un, un, don't hate me but i haven't listened to all of blight which is your first album that came out of in 2020 but do you have any songs that speak about like gay relationships or anything specifically um well and it, I mean, it's not I like mountain is a good example of that without, you know, being heavy handed. It's just about going home with someone and, you know, you have a really you're not really given all the facts when you get into a family situation, you know, mm. about where your people are from or what you're about to step into. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know. I read it that way, but I don't know if all listeners will. Sure. Well, this is why I love having these conversations because it's it's all about you know music and art can be so subjective and stuff. So I love hearing like an artist's reasoning or like what they put into a song because I mean, like you said, it might we might get something completely different out of it, but now people can listen to that mountain um, and maybe see if they see the same thing or if not, uh, maybe they can reach out to you and tell you how they feel about it and you get a completely different like experience. Things out in the world and you know, um, once it's out. Once it's everyone else hears it, it's no longer just your own idea about things, you know, because it's going to affect everybody differently. Absolutely. So that's now, a great. Totally just missed the point. Well, then you got to listen again. And I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. Sometimes some songs you like, you do want to get a point across, but generally, yeah, like, yeah, that's the fun thing about it. So this is actually a beautiful, great segue into my next question. What do you hope people get out of your artistry? I think I said music whenever I like, you know, we talked about this before a little bit, but specifically your artistry, like when you ever perform and when they encounter your music, what do you hope people get out of it? I hope what people get out of my music and or when they see me perform is just sort of a little slice of my life, which is, you know, we keep using the word Southern Gothic because I live in a very Southern Gothic world. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. What I'm singing about and talking about. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I don't, I think all song is, songs are, can be universal, but I mm. think it's important that people, you know, get to know, you know, a little the history about what I'm talking about too. And this is why interviews like this are so important, but on the other side of it, you know, it's, I like to operate sort of in uh, 
dark, eerie, underbelly sound, you know, that is. Sure. So, and it's a storytelling too. So, and I, I enjoy storytellers and I enjoy telling stories. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that definitely comes across. Um, to, it's an old vision, you know, before, you know, it's po- reciting poems and tales and then turning them into songs. And so I feel, I feel like I'm part of that. Absolutely. Family. Yeah, for sure. And so, oh, the fabric is that an homage to Aaron? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, oh so this is also an homage to the Patrick Zuffi aspect of it too. The that's Patrick. true. Oh, that's so funny. Aaron just um, quilt has you know the lyric from the song "Ain't Gonna Study War No More," which mm-hmm. is well, I guess I have to learn how to sing that now. <laughs> oh, that song is actually very very important to higher ground society. Uh, there's a internal song. This is very secret, I guess. But there's an internal song that we have that might be released at some point that links to that at some point that that mm. that spiritual but um that's great and i think also to something that you pulled out is something that it's it's uh you hope that people get something that's different from themselves as well which is one of my favorite parts about music and the arts is again it's such a great way to learn especially you know it's like a great conduit to like provide information um and as a storyteller as you said i think that's a great you set yourself up in a very great way to be able to do that in a very effective way too, for sure. And to talk about, you know, empathy. Yeah. You know, in Florida, they're trying to legislate against teaching elementary kids, uh, elementary school kids, how to empathize. Yeah. <laughs> how, how is that even possible? How do you know, how do you get someone to stop biting their neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that could hurt him when you bite him. And so, you know, with songwriting, it goes right into it of, you know, I write a song like second chance and maybe if you don't know people in that situation or, um, you know, where there's institutions against them and institutional racism or, and institutions against impoverished people and what they have to do to survive, then all of a sudden, you know, if you can't empathize with that and realize what they were doing was about survival or they had no other option, then how in the hell are you going to, you know, move on in your life when that all seeing eye turns towards you? Yeah. I'm sure you, what is it? Glass houses. Yeah. (laughs) It's stones, right? Yeah. 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 He without sin. Absolutely. That's, that's a word that'll preach as, (laughs) as they like to say. Um, That's awesome. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, a great way to kind of just head towards taking us out. Um, I love all these these uh these discussion points are like bleeding into each other um it's not necessarily planned that way to be honest but i think just you're naturally inclined to to have everything be so um linked together i ask this question of every artist that comes or every guest that comes to the show um because i want to kind of create this like repertoire or this like you know collection of hope for the state of Alabama because we need it <laughs> as much as we possibly can uh, I think it's what keeps us going and it's what keeps us from despair uh, so what is your hope for the state of Alabama moving forward oh lord uh- <laughs> <laughs> and feel free to say whatever everybody has had carte blanche to, to say whatever they want so yeah go well, for it I'll tell you I'm Looking forward to the uh, every year in Northport, Alabama, there's the Kentuck Festival, which is like a big community of folk artists and there's mm-hmm. music and people come in and we always look forward to that because 
it's like a check-in with your people check on your people mm-hmm. um and you know i was just at a show in dothan alabama that um our friend holly meyer um curated called kutsu soliloquy yeah and she was featuring artists from all over alabama and pieces in reaction to alabama and so you know i feel like the artist mindset is already there for you know taking care of one of each other protecting each other helping each other rise up and move forward and especially you know the music scene in alabama i mean the biggest problem with that is having enough places to to play for you know artists that isn't some giant coliseum um but my hope for alabama is that we keep building on that and we don't slide into whatever the hell is going on in florida you know we're so inclined to take other people's dumb ideas because we can't <laughs> them ourselves in Montgomery. So uh, <laughs> my hope is that everyone just keeps supporting each other and they just keep moving forward. And, you know, we can handle it. We can handle whatever comes our way. We've done it before, um, but there's no reason to backslide. Sure. Which is like, I'm, I'm, I mean, that really sums it all up. When you look at the state of everything in the world and you know history and stuff, you're just like, there's no reason for this. Like, we we, we should know better, right? Like, we have the resources. Well, sometimes we have the resources. Um, but at the very least, we have the resources of each other to where we can get a tremendous amount of work done or, like, we can accomplish incredible things. So I think that's a great hope. And I hope people are... And I hope people are listening to you and they hear you and they tap into that and they hear your music and they tap into that and this notion of empathy and learning from each other and um, learning each other's stories. I think it's it's literally all we have. It's sometimes for me personally, like I just I do kind of trend towards despair sometimes. So that's why I ask people with this question, I guess it's a very selfish pursuit and just asking people how they, you know, hold on to hope in that way. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, and again, I hope everybody else really taps into it when they, when they hear that. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with our our, our audience? What? <laughs> our listeners? Um, well, I'm an active instagram user so if you want to follow along with what i'm doing i'm at real tim higgins um and i have singles coming out this summer and i have the new record doomed to love me coming out in september if everything goes to plan but there'll be music coming i got some songs on there about my friends in gordo and masil and uh just some interesting voices and some things that are you know my world all around me Absolutely. And do you have a like a website or can like, yeah, like, could you invite people to collaborate? Yeah. Like, what's up? <laughs> yeah, find me at timhigginsmusic.com. You can see music videos. We did three that were um, filmed in Greensboro. And so you mm-hmm. can see inside some of these, you know, the old opera house, which has never been restored and people's gardens and just sort of the little town I call home. Very nice. And you also said that you're getting back to touring. You did a tour last summer. Do you have any shows or anything coming up that would be, um, that should be on people's radar? Not currently, but hopefully soon. Very nice. So watch this space, right? <laughs> watch, watch, watch your Instagram for, um, you like cats and concerts. Follow me. 
<laughs> Actually, that's a pretty good selling point. <laughs> a lot of cats, <laughs> uh, a lot of cats and music people out there. Uh, but yeah, Sam, thank you so much for, again, first of all, for being a part of the Patrick Symphony Project. I really appreciate it. You've been a great uh, joy to work with uh, in that regard. And thank you for sharing your time here with me today, talking about your music and your life. Thank you. Of course. Hi, this is Tim Higgins, and this is my song for the Patchwork Symphony, Second Chance. You left what they call home at 15. Stole a pack of smokes, hitched a hike down to Aberdeen. A place like that, you just don't get out clean. It's a bruise on your soul It'll haunt your dreams You didn't really try to play it safe Every job he had He'd rather register than run away Cops broke both his arms On the Natchez trace It's 20 years gone Close your eyes, you start to realize
And that's a wrap on my conversation with Tim Higgins of Greensboro, Alabama. Tim is the second artist on the show from Higher Ground Society's flagship project, Patchwork Symphony, the Alabama compilation album. I'm sending another shout out of appreciation to Tim for his participation on both the album and here on the show, where he shared some really good nuggets and stories. This episode featured intro music created by Jasmine Garfield of Artistic Intelligence in Birmingham and outro music by Alex Horn, also of Birmingham. Thanks again to the Alabama Humanities Alliance for their continued support of the Higher Ground Society podcast. Check out the great work that they're doing across the state at alabamahumanities.org. And finally, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to be notified for more conversations with Patrick Symphony artists and other guests sprinkled throughout. Until next time, be easy. Be easy.